Welcome back to another episode of Free the Geek FM. In this episode, I have the absolute pleasure of speaking with the one, the only, Joe P. Ferguson. In this episode, we talk about Nomad PHP and how we got involved, Laravel, and speaking at conferences. It's loaded with great stuff, and I'll see you in just a moment. And welcome to yet another episode of Free the Geek FM. As I said in the intro, in this episode, I'm really excited, as I, as I always am, to have another great guest. And this time, it is my new mate, Joe P. Ferguson. Now, if you don't know Joe, Joe is the, what would you say, he's the voice of Nomad PHP. If you've ever listened to one of the intros to any of the lightning talks on Nomad PHP, you will hear Joe's excited voice. And in this episode, you're going to kind of see, or sorry, see, you're going to hear how he got started, where he came from, and how he how he gets so excited, or how he at least sounds so excited to you and me, even though there may only be him and one or two other creatures in the room. You'll have to listen to find out who those creatures are. Anyway, as well as Nomad PHP, I had a good chat to Joe about conferences, and then in particular Laravel. The main reason I had a chat to him about Laravel is partly because I've always been... Always. I've been, I've been interested for some time in Laravel, primarily because it's, the, it's that framework that came out of nowhere, if you will. And myself and a num- number of others, whether active users or not, always kind of wondered, like, how? Like, why? And... Because there's been quite a number of other frameworks and so on for, for PHP, such as Falcon, Zen Framework, Symphony, and so on. And this one seems to sort of come out of nowhere and explode onto the scene, and it's only getting bigger and bigger. And so I guess I, I just couldn't help myself. Um, I just wanted to know more. And, and primarily, Joe and I had a really good chat. I think it was on the last day, or like the morning after... I could have been the morning after, I'm actually not quite sure now, of PHP World in Washington last November. And he really, the, the, the way he spoke about it, the, the, the wisdom he, he shared or imparted to me, really kind of left a really positive, really indelible impression on me. And I just, I couldn't resist the opportunity to dive into that again. Now, I admit, there was a little bit of a friendly question about, about facades. But it's Laravel, and that question comes up. But seriously, as, as I said to Joe, I wasn't taking a shot. It was more just—it was more of a curiosity that I kind of dropped in the facades thing. Anyway, getting back off of potentially uh, flame war topics. It was really good to have a chat with Joe. He's a really interesting person. He's someone who I feel has a lot of great experience. He delivers it in a really intelligible, very sagely way. In in some ways, I think a lot like Code Rabbi and many others, that, that really sagely, you know he's been around the traps, you know he's got the experience. So um, I hope I have, you know, I can ex- excite you and, and get you interested and keen to be listening to the Fireside Chat. But as for me this week, in my usual pre-Fireside Chat spiel, um, I don't really, I guess, have a lot to say. Um, I will share that I've started to get back into becoming more of a polyglot again. 
this is something I thought about for, for quite some time. And, and to be specific, if you've read my, my blog post on my personal site recently, you'll see that I've decided to get into relearning C. Now C, like why, why C? Like why go from a dynamic language to a statically typed language? Why go from something that lets you just say, you know, print blah or print F or S print F, so on and so on, and you can just get up straight and running straight away to something that takes a lot more rigor, a lot more discipline, a lot more, um, or, you know, self personal, a, a, a personally, a, a good sense of personal structure. Good question. The, the main reason is that recently I was, I was doing a, a PR, sorry, a pull request to fix a bug in ZendB. And I was, I was going through the code and I just came across the need to, to have to check if the array that was passing in, just based on how this particular section of the code worked, was, was a scalar array or not. Or should I say, was basically non-associative. Did it have automatically generated keys? For example, I passed the, just values in, but I hadn't sort of set any specific keys, so they would have been automatically generated uh, um, as numeric keys starting at zero. It's a big long-winded to get into why, so I'll just say that that's what I needed to do. And and it, and I went looking in the PHP manual, as you do, and I was, a, I guess, perhaps a little surprised that I just didn't see anything. And I thought about it and thought about it and thought, no, no, I think this is a reasonable request to make. I think this is a reasonable situation where you could reasonably expect to have that kind of function. But it wasn't there. So I turned to Twitter, my, my source of much knowledge, and just tweeted out. And a number of people came back and said... Uh, sorry, and gave their solutions as to what they had done previously in just such a situation. So I thought, well, that's that's interesting and, and quite encouraging. And I remembered that Ben Ramsey had put together a talk because he wanted to, to recount his experiences of adding array the, the array underscore column method to the PHP core. I thought, wait a second, maybe I could contribute to PHP core as well. And this is something... And this is something I've wanted to do for ages, but I've never really felt that I could, you know, it's that kind of imposter syndrome, I'm really not good enough. But this time I thought, no, 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 we're going to go with this. And so I, I went through Ben's talk and I looked at all the steps and part of the steps were, you know, get your idea together, do some basic research and then put your idea to the mailing list, sorry, to the PHP internals list. See what they say and if they come back with sort of encouraging feedback, generally speaking, then proceed through to doing an RFC. And if the RFC gets accepted, then you code it up in C. So I thought, well, this looks encouraging. Okay, so I, I put the email to the internals list. And lo and behold, within 24 hours, I had quite constructive feedback. All by one. But I can see in what that one particular person said that, you know, I could, I could see the merits of what they were saying. So here we were, you know, like one step closer to that, that part of actually coding um, the addition. So I thought, okay, hmm, well, it might get accepted. And it, you know, it, it, I guess on the feedback I had so far, I guess it stood a good chance. I say stood because I haven't actually um, submitted the RFC as, as I record this. So I thought, well, okay, on the off chance that it does, well, I guess we're going to, you know, let's get brushing up with C. So anyway, to cut a bit of a long story short, um, it's been a bit of an interesting ride getting back into it. I've chosen not to go with an IDE. I thought I would stick with an editor. 
I guess there's no uh, prize for guessing which one. That would be Vim, or as it may well become in the short term for future, Neo Vim. Because I, I, this is this is this itch I want to scratch for ages. I want to, if for no other reason than I just kind of want some kind of geek street cred, I want to be able to code C in Vim. Now, if someone like Uncle Bob or much much more seasoned developers than I am in C at least are listening and saying, mate, what the sod are you doing? Like, are, are you asking for, like, a kick in the head? Or are you asking to, like, pull your own teeth out? I know it might sound a bit nuts. I know it might sound a bit kind of ultra-hardcore, like, unnecessarily difficult. But I want to give it a go. It's just a me thing. So, so if you uh, keep an eye on my blog, you'll be seeing posts of, of the journey. The journey may end well. I hope it does. Or I may end up going to an IDE. I'll leave that avenue open, but it's something that I'm excited about. I feel like I'm kind of graduating up to the, the next level, if you will, not to be uh, negative towards PHP or other dynamic languages. That's just my personal thing. I think it's going, you know, it's going in the right direction and I hope it goes well. And so what I want to say, like the moral of all this is that if, if you've got a, like a, a bit of a, something that you feel is like a challenge, maybe that is above where you are at the moment, I just want to encourage you to to give it a go. Find a real reason to get in there and and make a go of it. And don't kind of say, "Well, look, I'll do that when I'm better." You know, maybe now's the time to to get better. So I encourage you to find the opportunity to go after it, to grab that bull by the proverbial horns, and give it a go. Anyway, I've gone on long enough. Now, over to my fireside chat with the man himself, Mister Nomad PHP, Joe P. Ferguson. So, so tell me about Nomad PHP and how did you, how did you get started with it? So, Nomad PHP is the the PHP user group for those that may not have a local user group in their community. Uh, maybe you're off on a remote island, like our friend uh, Karate, who is off on the Martis Island. I believe is the name of it. I may not be saying that correctly. Uh, Nomad PHP is designed for those people who don't have those user groups. So whether you're off on an island or you're just in a remote part of the world where there's just happens to be no, no PHP group, uh, Nomad PHP kind of fills that gap or tries to fill that gap. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we do is we have, uh, we have two meetings a month. Uh, we charge for the meetings. Uh, it's essentially a conference style, uh, one hour long talk. Uh, sometimes they go over, sometimes they go uh, shorter. We do one for 8 p.m. on the European time. I think it's uh, Central European time, 8 p.m. And then we do one 8 p.m. Uh, Central time for the U.S. crowd. So there's kind of these two talks we do. We do them on the same day of the month. It's usually the the fourth Thursday or the third Thursday of the month. Um and it's uh, I've done a talk. Uh, it's conference speakers that 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 we go and we find uh, people who are speaking at conferences, uh, and we have uh, all these different talks. We just kind of invite them to do it for Nomad, mm-hmm. uh, and we have this backlog. So if you if you purchase into a meeting, you get the talk and you, you can attend the live event, hang out and, and, and chat with everybody in IRC, and then you also get a video download later, so you can watch it whenever you want. But the, the idea is that, you know, there was this need for people to get access to these conference level talks that couldn't necessarily afford to go out to a conference and they didn't have any local content uh, being generated by their user group. Uh, I believe Nomad started in 2013. I started with it in May of 2014. And I, I got involved because Cal, uh, our friend Cal Evans, who started Nomad PHP, 
uh, sent out a tweet that said, hey, I'm looking for somebody to help get involved in Nomad PHP, send me an email. Mm-hmm. And that was all it said. There was no, like, this is what you'd be doing. You mean you were literally volunteering for whatever Cal, crazy idea Cal had. <laughs> and if you know Cal, that can be pretty crazy. Yeah. So I sent him an email going, I don't know what you're wanting, but I'm down. You know, what, what, what can I do to help? Okay. And I had no idea. Then he came back with, oh, well, so we did. We just finished our first year at Nomad. We asked for feedback on what everybody wanted to see out of Nomad. And the main thing, the main feedback that we got was there wasn't any free content. So his solution to that was we were going to start doing two lightning talks an hour before the U.S. meeting. And the lightning talks would be like 10 minutes short, deep dive into something really complicated or just a really high, high level overview on a, on a small topic or a big topic, something PHP adjacent. That way we weren't tied into, it had to be a hard and fast, like PHP topic. We've had all kinds of related topics. We've had DevOps talk topics. We've had uh, health topics. Uh, So just some, some kind of content. And what we do, what we do is we record these just like what we record for the the actual nomad event. And then we publish this content all out on our YouTube mm-hmm. and it's all completely free. We have a good library built up now. Cause I think this is our, yeah, we're, this is our third year in may will be three years that we're, that we've done, that we've done the lightning talk. So over two and a half years into this now, and it goes really well. And I'm in charge of that. And that's what he was wanting is he was somebody wanting to somebody to come in, host those lightning talks and find the talent to do the, the lightning talks. Okay. So, and we've had such a good success in the past two years that this year, starting in January, we actually added on an EU lightning talk. Uh, historically, we've had primarily EU speakers for the U.S. Uh, lightning talks, which means everybody is staying up really late in the EU to give these lightning talks. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now we're, we're giving, throwing a bone to the EU and, and giving them their own lightning talk so they don't have to stay up near as late uh, to do it. And the other thing is it's doing is it's allowing new speakers to get a recorded talk on record and be able to send that with their call for papers when they submit to conferences. And that has actually helped a lot of people get into uh, conference speaking because they have this recorded nomad video and they can just send that along and say, Oh, here's what I want to talk about. And by the way, here's me talking about this other thing or the same topic. Go watch this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Rob Allen was the, was he the first EU speaker or the f- he kicked off the f- the first talk. I believe Rob was the very first Nomad talk. Ah, awesome! I like, big big shout out to Rob. He is really cool. He's been an awesome mentor to me. Um, so when what was it sort of like when you sort of first getting into it? I guess as you said, there was it was quite a broad um um job spec, if you will. What was it kind of like sort of getting started and, and finding people and, and getting sort of good content and, and so on? How, how did how did you find um, how did you find that initially? Uh, it was terrifying because I was now going to all of these poten- you know, conference speakers and I was tweeting about it and getting retweeted by different uh, accounts uh, on Twitter and social media to kind of, hey, I'm looking for speakers for this thing that you've never seen and there's no evidence that this exists, but trust me, <laughs> you know, I assure you we're open, right? Mm-hmm. It's this kind of, uh, we're going to do this. And the only thing that I was, that I really had behind me was, was Cal, which is a great force in the PHP community. Mm-hmm. So on his word, people kind of trusted me. And until we got, uh, until we got going, uh, James Tickham Asgram on Twitter was mm-hmm. our very first lightning talk. He okay. did a talk on rabbit MQ 
And I think that is one of the videos that still has the highest number of views on the YouTube channel uh, the last time I checked. And it's kind of helped him kind of find his his speaking voice as well, I like to, to, to say. Uh-huh. And uh, it, it's the, the people that I've been able to meet in arranging these lightning talks was has been a lot of fun because we had you do one a few months ago. Indeed, indeed. I'm very and appreciative for that. Yeah, and then being able to you know kind of have that really you know existing relationship when we were able to hang out at PHP World was great, mm-hmm. and, and you know being able to go to conferences and say hey you know I hosted your lightning talk this is and it, that that kind of thing has been really awesome. But the the really thing that the kind of what I struggled with getting off the ground was you know Cal didn't really limit me on what kind of talks. It was just like I mean PHP adjacent. Whenever you hear us say that, we're kind of half saying it and joking because we're really just looking for talks that can be applied to PHP because we it is called Nomad PHP. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of this. Uh, I'll, I'll really take anything. And there's only been probably two or three people. We said, no, that just doesn't work. And, you know, maybe if you did this and they just haven't come back to us. A lot of times people throw us a half-baked idea and we come back and we're like, oh, well, what if it was like this? Or that sounds good, but I don't think you're going to be able to cover that in 10 minutes. And then they kind of refactor it from there. So a lot of it is also kind of, you know, I'm hesitant to say it's helping people mold their abstracts because mm-hmm. I think that's probably not... Uh, that's probably overstating it. I, I definitely don't have that much into it, but it's definitely kind of shaping people and, and, and preparing them for this 10 minute talk. Because a lot of times a 10 minute talk can be a lot harder to do than, than an hour talk. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to do like a complex to- topic, you don't really know how much depth to go in mm-hmm. and then doing it online where you're essentially talking to your monitor, you have no audience feedback. It can be really intimidating and really hard, uh, but we've had really good luck. I, th- I think a lot of the people that we've had, haven't had too much of an issue with that. Yeah, I found I found it really weird. Like like I I don't know how I came off, and um, I guess sort of being more of the, the the newer to to speaking and conference speaking and so forth, I'm a bit precious about it. But it was I, I'd sat here like on my own time when yeah, sorry in, in the practice time and went through it and went oh, yeah that that's fine, and then when it actually came to do it, it was weird. It was the most odd experience. Like there was no one here but me, as you say. But it was as though there were thousands of people here and I had that massive deer in the headlights and it was just bizarre. I really can't describe it more succinctly than that. But I guess like anything new, you know, at, at first it's it's all strange and then after a while you get used to it and it's just, okay, here we go, you know, go. But wow, that's yeah, the, the it's, first time. It's so weird because uh, like I did, I did a, a full-length uh, hour-long Nomad session and... I guess I because I had been doing the lightning talks for about six months to a year before that, I was kind of already okay with it. But yeah, mm-hmm. those first handful of lightning talks and I still like if you ever listen to Nomad when we're doing when we're recording these live, I will sit there and I'll go, Okay, we're about to start. I'm gonna do my intro and then I'm gonna hand it over to you. And then it's like, okay, are you ready? The speaker will be like, yeah, I'm ready. And then I'm sitting here trying to get amped up and the cats are looking at me like, what are you doing? And it's just like I I've got to try to project this voice mm-hmm. of, you know, welcome to Nomad PHP. And it's like that way it's somewhat consistent. That way when somebody just watches one video, they don't just hear this, oh, well, welcome to Nomad PHP. This is another lightning talk. So it's trying to, for me, somewhat of a performance to try to mm-hmm. introduce the speaker and stuff. And that's one of the things that I really struggled with early on until I until I figured out that I needed to sit down and write a script. So a lot of the times when 
like all of probably the past years worth of videos, it's all been me reading the same script. Uh-huh. And that's just kind of how I get amped up and get into it. And then once I get through my first bit, I'm on autopilot. It, it's just, you know, at this point, yeah, it, it's just, you know, muscle memory. Exactly. You've done it enough and it's just da 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 da. I have yeah. I have one question on that actually. Um, so segueing slightly, I've been like so getting back into the podcast, and I'm in the middle of creating um, a ZendB course for Pluralsight. And I was looking at things like I figured I've got the mechanics, I've got the mic, I've got the stand, I've got all the all the, like, all the bits. But I felt the problem lacking was me, and I wanted kind of more oomph, more more. Oh, geez, it's gonna sound cheesy. Passion in the voice, right? And I saw this video and this person said, basically, the one thing is move your hands or use a pen. And something about that physical movement kind of kind of engages you more actively or something like this. And I must admit, I tried it and I feel like I sound more interesting in comparison. I, I hate listening to all the recordings because I feel like it's, as you said, it's, it's, it can come off as quite dull. Whereas recently you do this, it just sounds like you're more excited. Do you... Besides, like you say, looking at the cats and, and, and amping yourself up, do you have any other kind of things that help you give oomph to your performance? I, I gesture when I talk as if I'm like waving my hands around and like doing something with my hands and I'm doing that like right now mm-hmm. and that kind of helps me. So it's it's that I'm not slouched down in my in my couch just with my laptop on my lap, you know, sideways saying, "Hey, what's up?" It's that, you know, that animation and just like you're having a conversation with a real person. So mm-hmm. I think that's that's definitely helped me and I guess that's something that I didn't realize helped come across in the videos because when I went back and and it, it it's terrible. If you go back and look at some of the really early videos, I sound horrible. It's like, "Who is this guy? How how did this guy get this job?" Mm-hmm. And and it, I'd like to think progressively I've gotten much better at it. So, yeah, it's just lots and lots and lots and lots of practice. Oh, good, because that, that ties <laughs> in really well. Because I looked at... I'm, I'm, I quite enjoy making um, podcasts and so forth and um, making sort of screencasts and so forth and teaching. But I look at it and I think... Like, I, I made this, this video for someone recently and I looked and think, at the time I was okay with it, I looked back going, wow, like how bored do I kind of seem? But I swear I felt at the time, I, you know, I was quite keen to do it. I wouldn't have done it if I wasn't that way. But it's, it's just that thing of, of, I guess, just practicing and practicing and practicing. And even today, doing some of this stuff, like as I'm throwing my hands around like a mad person, it's just, it feels like it just keeps getting better. But at times it, it's just hard because you're like, you, you kind of want to be further along than you already are, but you kind of, you can't, was it, was it you can't run or was it walk before you can crawl kind of thing it, uh, so anyway just getting the long and the, the, the short of that was just saying I guess I accept that you know lots of practices are required it just sometimes I want to be I want to be further along than what I already am I'm just I'm not over keen right. yeah I do a podcast with a friend of mine and we've been doing it f- I think we're We've done probably 50-something episodes, I think, or we're about to do the 50th episode. And the whole premise of the podcast was, you know, we're just going to kind of hang out and talk about local tech stuff. And Because mm-hmm. he and I used to, uh, well, I still run a user group. He used to run a user group. And we both used to be really involved in local uh, tech organizations mm-hmm. and events. And we would just kind of use this podcast as an excuse to hang out, have a drink once a week, and talk about this tech stuff. 
and or talk, talk about whatever was happening that week in tech. We and is you know not really you know talking not really reading the news, but we would go find interesting articles and talk about that and joke. And it was just a terrible excuse to to have a drink with a buddy and talk shop, talk tech, whatever we wanted, whatever came up. Mm-hmm. And it, it has actually helped me so much in my speaking career because I'm not as timid or reserved mm-hmm. as, as I as I felt like I was when I started the podcast because it was like. Oh dear God! Somebody's going to hear hear this, and now all that content is out there. It, it's you know we have a YouTube where we publish videos, and there's some episodes where we just go get smashed and talk nonsense. And if somebody wants to go see that, it's out there. What whatever, but that practice, that you know that inflection, that trying to entertain an audience uh, when you're talking about whatever is kind of helped me with my speaking. It, it's definitely helped keep the audience's attention when I'm giving a talk, I feel like, because I can crack a joke and the audience is still, the audience will laugh or if a joke doesn't land, I can, you know, kind of poke fun at myself and the audience will kind of feed back there. So it's not really playing to an audience, but it's Mm. still a little bit of that, like a musician or a a comedian where they, they thrive off of that feedback from the audience. It's a little bit of that. And it's just like, you know, public speaking. I mean, it's performance, you're up there. You're you're you are performing this this talk that you've prepared, and you know you you want the feedback. You want the audience to be engaged. There's nothing worse than you know a no the audience of a room full of people with no feedback at all. So I think doing the podcast stuff kind of helped me speed up my comfortability with doing the lightning talks and speaking in general. Yeah, definitely, definitely have to agree. It's it's that thing of you know, even though it's technical, it's it's still a performance. It's still I want you to be engaged. I want you to you know don't don't just be here and just uh huh uh huh uh huh. Okay, I'm going now. Yeah, it's 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 you know ask questions, be active, and those sorts of things. And as you say, like register with the audience. How do you um you know d- deliver in the way that you communicate to them, you engage them, and yeah, in in a, in a lot of ways entertain them but entertain to educate or inform. Yeah, especially being able, if it's a really technical talk, you've got to have some kind of feedback to make sure you're just not, you know, people aren't just glossing over and completely lost. Mm. So, oh, yeah, yeah, I think it's almost even more important in a a technical setting, like a conference talk or something. To to, to come back, I guess, to to Nomad PHP specifically, let's let's assume that, you know, you've given it an an amazing plug, um, and I definitely recommend it for, for anybody. If someone was, I don't know, we'll say maybe they've given one talk or maybe thinking about giving the, the first talk and they saw Nomad as, a, you know, as, as you said, a potential platform to, to help them get started. Um, what would be your maybe top two tips to them? Um, so they sort of did it right, whether when they approached you and they, and they sort of pitched themselves properly or when they were preparing the talk itself, you know, you'd, You'd accepted their their abstract and given them a time slot, and they were preparing themselves. What would be, you say, your top two or top couple of tips um, for giving that first talk and, and getting started? I think the first thing would be don't necessarily well if you're a new speaker, don't let Nomad Lightning Talks be the first time you've given that that talk or or given that um, that presentation. Use your local user group if you have one. Uh, go and give that there. That is a very forgiving audience. But Nomad is also the Nomad Lightning Talks are a very forgiving audience as well. That's that is kind of our Nomad. If Nomad, you know, we are our own user group, and the Lightning Talks are kind of our uncon uh, Lightning Talk 
esque, where it's very forgiving. You know, nobody's going to judge you super harshly if you do a bad job. Uh, it's, it's it's an understood that this is for new speakers or for veteran speakers to test out a talk idea. So. Don't necessarily, if you're a new speaker, don't necessarily let Nomad be the first place you give a talk, if you can. I mean, if you have a user group, I would give it there. I think the the second thing would be um, find out if anybody else is doing a similar talk and see what they're covering. Make sure you're covering the important things. Make sure you're covering everything, and that way you're not leaving a giant hole. Like you, you spend 10 minutes talking about uh, a database ORM, and you've forgotten, you know, how do you how do you set up your model? You know, that's like mm -hmm. one of those things where make sure you're, you're covering everything that you want to cover, because like I said earlier, it can be a lot harder to do a 10 minute talk than an hour long talk. So you really kind of have to be very picky in what you cover versus what you leave out. I definitely found that was the case in that talk that I gave because <laughs> it was because I said, yeah, what, what was that? What was that talk? Like, uh, struggling with memory. I'm about to hit 40 and my, my memory's fading. <laughs> that's such it's a OK. It's OK. I can't remember what lightning talks we had last month. That's why I have a spreadsheet. <laughs> I don't feel so bad. Um, <laughs> oh, that was it. Why was it? Why PHP Storm is is excellent for for PHP development. And you look at it and you go, okay, you've you've got ten minutes. And I, yeah, and going to think of it again, I think it would be a lot easier if it was an hour because you can really get into a certain amount of depth in ten minutes. You're trying to say why it's great. Great, I guess, can mean a lot of things. How do you cover a lot of things in a really short period of time and or well? And I think. Um, the, the best thing I could say after having that experience was then um, spending a lot more time at Toastmasters where they, and the best piece of advice I got, because I got, I got to, I think it was regional championships for impromptu speaking. And I, I, where I came undone was where I forgot the rule. I said, okay, you, in these kind of talks, you have about five minutes and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll give you a topic as you're standing there in front of them. And they said where people came undone and where I did was that you try to cram too much into a short period of time and your audience is pretty much going from topic to topic to topic, but never really able to get a gist of anything that you've said. So by the end of it, they're like, yeah, that's great. What did you say again? <laughs> yeah, right. You, you tried to, to tell them too much instead of expanding and or reinforcing your, your idea over and over. Yeah, exactly. Whereas they said, if you say said something like, you've got five minutes. Okay, practically, and, and there's a format with Toastmasters. There's always an intro, the body, and the outro. So they say, you know, you've got to then take off a bit of time for the intro and the outro. All right, you've got maybe, assuming you don't all of a sudden talk faster and faster, you've got about three minutes. All right, pick one thing and talk about it kind of thing. You know, and then at least you'll register something with your audience. So Yeah, that, to oh, talking fast. Jeez, I, I have nightmares of of, and I have I have gotten up into a conference level talk and given an hour presentation in twenty five minutes, twenty five, and then in twenty five minutes and said any questions, and almost every hand went up, and I was like, excellent. Of course you have questions because I just destroyed this topic. Wow. So yeah, it's I don't know. I think and, and you can't as a speaker, especially as new speakers, you, that's gonna happen. Mm. Don't let that happen to you at a conference like I did, which. Uh, I learned that lesson. That was one of my first conference talks that happened to me. And uh, I, I learned that has, that lesson the hard way. And I think what that taught me was to go back to my local user group. Yeah. And what what my process is, is to write an ab, write a outline, mm -hmm. build, or I guess I start with an abstract, build that out. And then from an abstract, I go to an outline. And then from the outline, I go to a slide deck. 
And then the speaker notes is usually just full uh, of, you know, make sure, you know, tell this story, talk about this thing, make sure you cover this. And then my first uh, stop is usually my local user group, which I have an advantage and I will freely admit that I abuse that advantage of running my own local <laughs> user group. Yeah. So at, at Memphis PHP, they have seen my conference talks probably more than they'd ever want to because they'll see like one version of it mm-hmm. and then I won't like how I did something. So I'll go and I'll tweak it or I'll build another talk into it to kind of really sell it. Like I did that with my uh, codeception talk that I just did at Sunshine PHP <sighs> talking about acceptance testing and functional testing as opposed to unit testing. Yep. I did a, you know, a demo at Memphis PHP. This is acceptance testing. The next week I did, or the next month I did, this is functional testing. And then a few months later it was like, hey, I'm, I have this abstract that I'm working on. Let me give this talk. And it's this kind of crammed together thing. And I have had so many of my talks that I do at conferences now mm-hmm. came out of talks that I've done or, or even, you know, short lightning talks or just demos that I've done in my local user group. Uh, whether that's my my PHP user group or we have a web workers group in Memphis, which is uh, kind of a front end uh, front end developers and designers and UX uh, people uh-huh. uh, go to that meetup. So I've been able to kind of crash those meetings here and there and talk about like testing, front end testing or acceptance testing or DevOps kind of things. So they're really good about letting me kind of test drive ideas there as well. So yeah, the, the user groups are just are so important mm-hmm. that they give you that ability to test things because I would be terrified if I was going to something like Sunshine PHP or Tech and and doing a talk that I hadn't done before, at least in part. Well, I went to the the talk, um, the the SQL talk I gave at PHP World. I admit, I there there is a user group here, but. It, it seems to sort of come and go. I admit I've kind of only been a handful of times, um, you know, slap on the wrist. Um, but I did hit them up recently to say, look, when is the next meeting? Because it's not on the website. And I've got swag that I'd like to, you know, bring along and, and give. But that didn't seem to be enough to kind of kick it off. That's another story. And I had the good fortune of working in Frankfurt for about three months. And I met a whole host of the people from the um, PHP, that sort of Frankfurt and Mannheim user group. And I think I was, I think I tweeted that I, you know, I was, I was fortunate to um, get like two slots to speak at PHP World. And Andreas Heigl, who I think is the main coordinator of, of the group said, great, you know, we're only like just down the road, you know, come and come and give it here. <laughs> and I had this talk and I, and I, I felt that I was, I felt in that moment or at that time I was, it, it was pretty good. And I'd gone over and over and over and over and over and over it, and I and I went up there, and oh, I felt like it just flopped. Um, and it was just sort of it. It literally was that first uh, time I'd given a talk of that length, and especially of a technical um, nature in front of a technical crowd. And I just felt it. It was just like deer in the headlights. After a while, it was just like, oh god, this is so bad. But having said that, as you said, you know, like the group is quite forgiving about things, and. I think it was Marco Pavetta who I thought he was just going to absolutely trash me. And he came up and said, you know, that was an interesting talk. You left out the bit that I was most interested in and the way you organized it eh, could have been better. Here's what I do. And pretty much I almost literally, like the talk that I ended up giving at PHP World was almost literally implementing all the things that he suggested. It was just taking and going, okay, yeah, I see what you mean. Okay, we'll work it like that and we'll put that in there. And I felt, if for no other reason, I felt like I had, you know, a series of people who were technical in nature, who gave me feedback. 
I um, implemented that feedback into my talk. So I, I, I felt a sense of I could, it, it wasn't just me and my ideas. It was, you know, other people had kind of contributed to this talk. So I kind of felt just generally better about it. Um, I can only say from, you know, the people who were there in the talk, um, they seemed to respond to it really well. The feedback was really positive and there was quite a number of good questions. But yeah, it was it was definitely interesting. So thank you very much to anybody from um, the PHP uh, Frankfurt and Mannheim user group who might be listening for giving me that opportunity and for not bagging me too hard. <laughs> yeah, my my local Peach, Memphis PHP attendees like to uh, they give me a hard time at the user group. They're like, "Oh, you forgot this. Oh, I can't believe you did that typo." So yeah, they they like to give me a hard time, but they're doing it in in good spirits and and with good intentions. So it, it's a very a very pleasant experience to to go get heckled by my local user group. But that's fun though, I think, because yeah absolutely like so you know as you say you you sort of know them and you were like you know running it for ages i was kind of coming into a crowd that I, I really didn't necessarily know them i'd met i'd kind of met some of them i mean like a uh a few like we'd sit there and kick back jokes and all the rest but the rest were like hi it was literally like two-thirds of the room maybe three quarters was just yes good evening good evening oh god and there's more people and yet there's more people <laughs> oh wow Hi there. But yeah, and, and that kind of feedback is, is really awesome, especially in it's in such a constructive way. Mm. And it's not this, oh, you're just terrible. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, that and a lot of people don't realize is that speakers, you know, we thrive on that feedback because we never give the same talk twice. You may see the same abstract twice, but no talk I've ever done multiple times was ever given the exact same way more than once. It's always this changing evolution of this talk to make sure I'm I'm hitting the right points, make sure I'm reinforcing the right points mm -hmm. and even to the point of uh, of kind of adjusting for skill level. Because I have seen really radical end of the spectrum uh, skill level differences in, in, in various conferences. So it all depends on your audience as well. And you've got to be able to dynamically adjust for that because you're never going to know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's Espe especially in conferences and regional conferences. Definitely well said. Um, I think, like you said, I guess that that writer's thing of always sort of pitching to your audience, like first knowing who your audience is and then adjusting your material um, to, to them so that, it'll resonate with them the best. Yeah, at PHP Tech last year, I did a tutorial, which is a four-hour, three or four-hour uh, Laravel tutorial. And I, with it being PHP Tech, I expected a kind of higher level or higher technical skilled audience. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get that. So I kind of had to, once I realized about an hour in, I was like, okay, this is not as a technical minded audiences I was expecting I need to slow way down and just kind of shift everything backwards and start you know really low level mm -hmm. and it worked really well because you know the first hour people were kind of confused and were like what are you what are you talking about and then once I made that adjustment and realized that it was much better but then at PHP world when I did an eight hour training it was a much higher skilled audience and I was able to skip through a lot of content. We ended up finishing about an hour early and just kind of hung out and answered questions and went through really technical uh, edge case scenarios mm -hmm. of, of using Laravel. And that was really cool because I was able to, you know, kind of skip over a lot of the basics and say, okay, you already know what routes and controllers and models and repositories are. Let's, let's do really cool things with, with all of those to kind of tie together and, and that's really cool when you can do a high level uh, explanation and with really complex things and, and you don't have to spend the time 
building the audience up to that. And I get it, it works both ways. It, you know, you're never going to have the same audience twice. And there are benefits to get more of the lower skilled people up to speed and making sure that you're still able to cater to the high level audience because a lot of the high level audience already has been working with the framework for a while. Yeah, that's, that's well said. So you kind of, I guess, do your best to meet uh, um, the needs of as, of as much of your audience as possible. Right. I did a three-hour tutorial at uh, Sunshine, and that was probably the most middle-of-the-road audience that I've had. I had a handful of people who had, who had been using Laravel for a while, and I had a handful of people that had been using PHP for a long time, but were just brand new to Laravel. So it was a very good and a very, I felt, solid middle-of-the-road audience. And that was a lot of fun because I was able to kind of show the, the new people, you know, well, this is how we do things with Laravel. And then the experienced people, I was like, oh, for you, for you, I want you to do this with this exercise. And I would send them off down a rabbit hole of doing something more complicated than the, the, the newer people. Mm -hmm. um, as, as we seem to be sort of getting more and more into, into Laravel, I, I as, our, as our conversation is segueing that way, um, what would be, what do, you, what do you think is the thing that sort of trips people up most with Laravel? Whether, and, and this is uh, irrespective of if someone is kind of quite technical or not as technical, you know, someone, um, do, do you think there's sort of one key thing that seems to cause problems that um, across the board or not really? Not really that I've seen. I, I think people take to it a lot. I think a lot of it is uh, the application structure, the framework structure mm -hmm. uh, is, is one of those things that some people aren't really sure. But then I guess this is probably more true in the Laravel 4 days where the application structure was a little bit unclear on, and, and it wasn't as the, opinionated as other parts of the framework. I mean, most frameworks, I mean, well, all frameworks are opinionated mm. applications. But Laravel hadn't traditionally hadn't been super opinionated until ver version five, where they redid the application structure, and it was uh, a much more opinionated, much more clear and explicit where you would put a uh, an HTTP controller versus a console uh, command controller, or uh, where you would put your service providers, where would you put your repositories. Uh, that sort of thing. So I think that was tripping up people a lot with Laravel 4 because there were so many different places you could put it and none of them were really wrong necessarily. It mm. was just, you know, up to the user. Whereas with 5, they, they've kind of pushed people into a, more of a direction on where things should go. Okay. Well, speaking of sort of directions and where, where it's headed, um, here's, here's a question that I, that I haven't um, prepared at all. Looking at like the, the, the onset of PSR 7, and, and sort of PSR7 and middleware being sort of ever more prevalent, I guess, in the, in the PHP community. Where is, is Laravel sort of going with respect to that? And I'll, I'll kind of throw it out that I'm not really an active user. So if it's already there and, it, and it's kind of blatantly obvious, I apologize so, in advance. So Laravel 5 does support middleware. Mm -hmm. uh, it was one of, I don't know if it was the, it probably wasn't the first framework, but it was one of the, I think Zend, uh, one of the Zend versions was able to support middleware really early on in the process, which makes sense considering uh, how, how active uh, Zend users were in that PSR discussion. Uh, and SlimPHP was also one of the first that I saw actively supporting uh, middlewares. And uh, so Laravel has actually, if you go download a fresh copy of Laravel, the auth is actually all middleware or mostly middleware. Mm -hmm. So you can just add an auth middleware and it will do all of the authentication checking for you uh, automatically. And it's, it's really handy. 
uh, and you can it's really easy to build your own middleware. Uh, if you're not familiar with Artisan or uh, Laravel, we have an Artisan command that you run to interact with the framework, uh, to scaffold out parts of your code, to uh, do various tasks. If you want to uh, have a console command, you can use Artisan and build uh, console applications through Artisan. It's kind of this framework to do that with. Well, Artisan supports, like, you can create a model. So if you want to create a new model of a widget, you can just say PHP Artisan make model widget. Mm -hmm. And it will scaffold out the model for you and throw it in the, the models folder or in the app folder. And you can do that same thing with middleware. And it's really handy that you can just go and create your own middleware, add your, your bits of logic, and then you can put it into your routes and, and use the, that's typically where we would use middleware in Laravel is routes are at the controller level. Okay. And really easy to do that. And you can, it's really easy to take advantage of the before and the after as well. So if you're wanting your middleware to run before the request uh, or after the request, really easy to do. All right. Nice one. What, what attracted you to Laravel in the first place? Because by the way, I really did enjoy, um, I didn't catch all of your talk at PHP World, but what I did, I really enjoyed it. Um, so what kind of, what brought you to the proverbial Laravel fold in the first place? So I had been stumbling around multiple frameworks. Uh, I was, uh, I used to be a cake PHP fan in the old days of somewhere in version two. Uh, I had used a little bit of Zen framework, very little Zen framework. I had used a lot of slim PHP and what really attracted me to Laravel was I could do a lot of of, uh, I don't know, I, I guess it would, Laravel did a lot of the functionality that I was doing manually in Slim for me automatically with with trade-offs. Mm. Uh, you know, if you ever talk to Paul Jones, he is famous for saying, there are no solutions, there are only trade-offs, yep. which is when you use a frame, full stack framework like Zen Framework or Laravel, there's just trade-offs versus using a, a micro framework like Slim or Silex or, or even Lumen. So I think I was okay with the trade-offs and being able to work really quickly and then sacrifice whatever trade-offs that were that were there versus running building something with Slim because of the time I was saving. And what really kind of made me feel at, at home with Laravel is it was opinionated enough and it was keeping up with a lot of the modern PHP developments uh, and being that opinionated framework that really kind of helped make me adopt this more modern development practice faster than if I was just doing it on my own. Mm -hmm. So seeing how Laravel would implement something would allow me to go, oh, I really like that pattern. I, I really like how that's done. But also still giving me the flexibility where if I didn't like how Laravel did something, I could easily swap it out with my own component. I mean, Laravel has an IOC container where if you don't like a bit of it, you could just go add a library and inject your own uh, replacement into the IOC container and Laravel's like, okay, that's fine. And I think that's where a lot of people who are opinionated not in favor of Laravel are, don't really, it's because they don't know enough Laravel to, to get down to that level. And maybe I'm just comfortable enough in Laravel because I've spent a few years uh, developing with it that I know the ins and outs and I know where some of the gotchas are. And I, I like dependency injection and I typically lean towards uh, using more dependency injection instead of static calls. Uh, so that's also how I teach Laravel is, you know, exercise three or four in this training, we're going to show you dependency injection, and that's going to allow you to do tests easier. Your code will read a little bit more explicit, 
it, it's just personal preference. It's trade-offs, right? Mm. So I don't know. I I really think that Laravel allows a lower-skilled developer to be more productive and be perceived as a much higher-skilled developer mm-hmm. than they necessarily may be. And that speaks volumes to the the code shortcuts that Laravel provides. I mean, you don't have to build authentication. You can run one artisan command and you have authentication. So somebody who has never touched authentication, that is amazing for them because they don't have to worry about figuring out password hashing, password resets. How do you authenticate somebody? What are the best practices for hashing a password? The framework is taking care of that for you. And I think that's that's great value in somebody who either doesn't want to worry about that and just wants to get into solving their domain logic and business problems versus somebody who's brand new and just isn't ready to learn that stuff yet. Yeah, I, I guess the only thing I, I sort of see there is that you'd have to have a certain element of, of trust that what you were using was was all sort of correct. And this isn't in any way to infer negatively or to, to seem disparaging. It's, it's just just that one particular point that you know you I, you know you have right to- you have to you have to trust that Laravel is making good decisions right yeah and and this isn't necessarily this isn't certainly anything unique to Laravel if you're using Zend you have to trust that Zend is making correct decisions and not using underlying dependencies that have vulnerabilities or That's have right. Are going to leave gaping holes in your application, right? Yeah, it, and I think once you've made the decision to buy into this uh, framework ecosystem, whether it's Zen, Laravel, Cake, Symphony, you kind of are okay with that, whether you realize it or not, mm. because you're giving up a lot of control yeah. of your application normally. Yeah, true. Um, and, and as I said, this isn't critiquing sort of Laravel per se. It was, it was just wanting to, to to hash that point out just. A, a bit further um but i will say one thing is that for a framework that that seemingly sort of came out of nowhere it's done extraordinarily well and you know what there there's all the there's podcasts related to it there's what lara casts for teaching it there's um lara con in was it us and eu and i mean it's done i mean hats off to it i i have to say there's a there's a huge community ecosystem being built up around it. And it, it's really awesome to see that because, I mean, f- f- looking at it from the outside of that community, this is what's good for Laravel is good for the PHP community in a lot of cases hmm. because you're bringing more PHP developers into the community. And that's that's awesome. That's what that's what I would like to see. That's why I run Memphis PHP is to expose more people to uh, to PHP and frameworks. And it's it's really awesome to see that. And I think the success of Laravel can really be attributed to the the low learning curve. Mm. The the very the very low hanging, you know, it's very easy to get into. Uh, Laravel has a vagrant box, which is uh, for local development, that uses a local version machine, local virtual machine, to spin up a development environment that is very similar to what you would normally deploy to uh, Ubuntu, PHP, uh, LAMP stack, MySQL, Postgres, and it bundles all of these tools that are there if you need them. So if you have no experience at all using Redis, you can use Homestead and then deploy that. And you don't really have to understand how Redis works. You just have to know how to interact with it in the framework. And that that gives people so much power to build such really awesome applications. And that taking away that steep learning curve of a framework only helps adoption. I mean, I, last I checked, and I'm, I, I, don't, I haven't heard anything different, Laravel is still the most starred PHP framework on GitHub. That says a lot. Yeah, true. It... <laughs> 
I, I sort of critique on one hand, yet at the same time, I mean, look, I'm, I have been doing a lot with Send Expressive of late. And, and I'll readily admit, though, to have something that could do a, like a lot of tooling would have been legendary. Um, and, and maybe it's there. I just, I just haven't found it um, uh, because of the, like my mindset or, or, or what else. So to have that, and I, and I appreciate, which then segues into, I, I appreciate the point about not having to deal with a lot of things, which in large part is why I guess you get into frameworks in the first place is that, you know, you, you want to increasingly focus on what, like a, like a hexagonal architecture or just do the business logic and not necessarily be uh, concerned with the, with the repetitive solved solutions, if you will. Um, so yeah, I, I, I definitely have to agree. I mean, the, the, the adoption's massive and it only seems to be continuing, you know, unabated. Um, right. And the cool thing I like about Laravel is if you use dependency injection, you don't use static calls and you build your application with, you know, with some thought behind it, you don't just go cowboy and, and, and do a bunch of, uh, write a bunch of code that's tying your domain logic tightly to the framework. Mm -hmm. It's not that difficult to pick up that domain logic and put it into another framework. I mean, I have applications that are I mean, they're still relatively tightly coupled because we're using Laravel's views, we're using Laravel's templating system, we're using uh, the Laravel-style models. If I needed to pick up and go to Doctrine or some other view, there would be a bit of work there, but my domain logic itself would remain intact, and it would just be you know, refactoring to Zen Framework or refactoring to KPHP, whatever I wanted. But that core domain, that, that core business logic of what is my application doing would largely remain unchanged. I'd, I'd really love to, to to chase up that that point. Um, time time is kind of unfortunately kind of running down, and um, I, I do have to go play dad soon. Um, <laughs> but I would I would an, another time uh, I would love to, to to thrash that one point out with you further about like the differences between the docs using a lot of um, do I say facade do I not say facade um, without wanting to well incur if, that. if, if in the in the Laravel context, a Laravel facade is a static call. Yeah. If you're talking about design patterns, a facade is completely different. I just the, the, that admittedly can come across as a as a bait. I I didn't I meant it in good in good humor. No no no. Way. I just I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. So we we're all fine here. Yeah yeah. Good good good. No, but honestly, <laughs> I'd I'd love to because you 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 mentioned some really interesting points um, when we were talking at PHP World. Um, and I don't want to kind of raise it and and then end. But I'm going to have to say that, unfortunately, I'm going to have to do that. But I would... Stay tuned for the next episode. Definitely right. Or <laughs> perhaps what we could do is... Although I think it might have been done on some of the Laravel podcasts, but I would love at some stage to maybe have, like, say, yourself and a couple of others. And, um, and, if, and if you feel it's not been kind of, like, thrashed to death, maybe we could discuss it further. Yeah, whatever. I mean, I'm I'm always down for a good discussion. So awesome, awesome. Okay, well, how about I will I will kind of make a proverbial note at that stage, and we may come back and revisit this. Sounds good to me. All right. Well, as as we're sort of running um, uh, down on time, as I say the at the end uh, to everybody, is there something that you would like to plug? Whether that's a, a book, user group, conference, um, any, anything, anything at all. Well, within certain reason. Within a certain reason. <laughs> uh, so definitely check out nomadphp.com. If you don't have a local user group, uh, check out Nomad. Uh, if you do have a local user group, please go to your local user group and maybe check out Nomad as well. 
Uh, if you are interested, if this ha- if this has uh, if our Laravel discussion has prompted you to go learn Laravel, I do Laravel training. Uh, you can find me at PHP Tech. You can find uh, me at uh, PHP Architect or PHPArch.com. We do training there as well. Uh, feel free to look me up. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, as always, I'll have um, as many links as possible in the episode show notes. And it was a pleasure, sir, to have you on. Yes, thank you very much. Not a problem. So what did you think about the fireside chat with Joe P. Ferguson? I hope you got a lot out of it. There was so much in there. He is a really, really seasoned conference speaker, or at least from this junior's perspective, he is. He puts a lot of heart, he puts a lot of soul, and he had a lot of great advice to share. As well as that, I think he has some really mature words of wisdom to share about Laravel and the development and how that's going. And on top of that, what a plug for Nomad PHP. I mean, besides being a great service, what an interesting eye-opener, you know, the behind-the-scenes look at it. That was, personally, I thought that was really, really fascinating and really insightful for if you're just getting started with conference speaking, if you're a bit rusty and you're coming back into the game, or generally just want to improve. Anyway, I hope you got the most out of it. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to seeing you next time.